This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. A summer surprise coming your way. (laughs) Take two is back. We were going to take July off. Just because summer, you know, and nothing's happening in politics. But then again... Then my schedule opened up, and I'm like, hey, why don't we bring hey, the band Greg back was, together? Yeah. I got if nothing you, else to do. If you don't do. recognize that voice, it's Greg Hughes, guys, <laughs> back from campaigning for uh, Congressional I District 2. I missed you two. guys. What would I want to campaign for when oh, I could be here? You. Mara Carabello here, always. Yeah. yeah. Always. Thanks for, thanks always. for showing yeah. up. Yeah. Not running for office. <laughs> Although, You're welcome. people do want you to run for office. I hear that from people all the time. So next time... We'll support your run for something. Okay. They must yeah. not know you. They did. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, Greg, that you were smarter than me. You were running harsh, for CD2, which is still going on, and you sprinted hard. Yeah. I think I even texted you a couple times, and you're just so busy that you weren't looking at texts. Yeah. But um, was it fun at all, or was it like the kind of thing where you have a baby and you need some space before you say it's fun and you want to do it again? No, I actually, I, I actually love the, the caucus convention cycle. I love meeting delegates. We had... Two weeks, we had 25 delegate meetings, and we had two debates. I love the debates, uh, candidate forum. Uh, I, 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 we had a great time, and I gave it my all, and uh, the delegates spoke, and they didn't pick me. So They picked you in the first four rounds. It was that nasty <laughs> fifth round. Yeah. You know, what happens in some of these conventions, uh, there are games that get played, or there are things that happen. I was accused... And the Thursday night of uh, being a communist Chinese sympathizer. Oh, from I did a see National that article. Review article, and it came out everywhere. And I've sensed anybody, that about you. <laughs> everybody who knows me just laughs yeah, instinctively when they too. hear it. I have a number of allegations that I would like to lodge <laughs> against you. <laughs> I know, but a communist, communist sympathizer, Chinese was not sympathizer, among just them. wasn't in that that category. But, but I did get asked all Friday, all Saturday, so it came right before the convention. If if sixteen people, if it changed their minds, that's the difference in that race. That's how close that yeah. race was. And so there's that. You have the the convention. For this. the record, are you a communist? <laughs> For the record, I am not. In fact, it said that I was uh, against Trump's uh, trade policy with China, which could not be further from the truth. As many would know, I support President Trump and you his. Do? I do. I and so that was. It was. I thought that it would be dismissed uh, pretty. Readily, Out but of hand, I, uh, yeah. yeah, but I, but so, but I was asked, I was asked for two days, and even in between rounds, I had delegates asking me about that. So there was that. Or you also have when you're a, when you're seeking, a, so you had Becky Edwards and Bruce Huff sig- yeah. getting signatures, but they were also uh, looking to earn the delegate support, and they had some delegate support. And uh, if you, if, if they get to have the opportunity to marshal those delegates somewhere, they're not going to pick someone, I would argue, like me, who's a, who would be a stronger candidate. They would look for a second-place candidate uh, to, to beat me in that final round, and I believe that happened also. But here's the deal. If you don't want the game to get thrown uh, or be unfair, win by four touchdowns, and you don't have to worry. If I had more delegate support, if I had a lot of support, and then the games that get played wouldn't have, wouldn't have influenced the outcome. But it was close, and... Uh, I came out on the wrong side. Well, good job being part of the um, process. I think it's important when uh, people go listen and be a part of the process when they run. So, yeah, good job, no, it was Citizen good. I, I enjoyed it. I really did. And I and I have nothing but good things to say about delegates. It was in Delta, Utah. All the delegates basically had to drive two, two plus hours to get there. They did their level best to meet all the delegates and make a vote of conscience. And I, I love that process. So good for them. And and uh, they spoke. Well, and selfishly, I, I, heard. I think we're happy to have you back because yeah. I feel like we're a fun family and we miss <laughs> having you I, around. I, no. I, I was thinking that there was a lot of things I was giving up. One of the things is this. I enjoy I enjoy this podcast. So. And if we're admitting sins, um, just so you know, there may be a couple <laughs> people that are here when Greg's not because I was fairly certain you were going to win the convention. <laughs> and I was nervous about filling the calendar. And so I was starting to book people to fill in for you because I thought, well, we're not going to see him for a long time. So I kind of yeah. wrote Greg off the yeah. podcast That's before. Okay. So anyhow, a lot of people, I'm I mean, glad you're back. We're, there was everybody was pretty bullish about it. I was. I, we felt pretty good about the campaign. We were able to turn it around, create a campaign pretty quickly. So things look good, but 
you know, that's 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 why you actually have to have the votes and have the convention to find out. Well, you have to be bullish. Why run if you don't think you're going to win, right? Yeah, yeah for if sure. You, if you didn't think you, sh- you were going to win, you shouldn't run. Okay. Um, before we move on to the rest of the CD2 race, what have you been up to, Mara? You had a daughter that graduated from high school. She went on exotic trips. Have you been... Just living the exotic life. Yeah, no, as I've a just been supporting mom the, now. <laughs> the exotic lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. I spent, I'm going to give a shout out to the Carabella or the Pollock family, as the case may be. I spent last week in Denver, which is where I'm originally from. It was the 48th annual golf tournament, which. With oh, your family? I've heard about this. Yeah, golf it's yeah. epic. Yes. And it was bookended by a bocce tournament that my cousin runs. Um, I say bocce. I know bocce you do. Balls. Everyone does. Bocce, bocce. And it uh, supports two cleft palate camps. So I was in Denver all week hanging with the family. It was nice. That was sounds good. fun. Yeah. Excellent. So your family reunion includes a, a fundraiser. Well, so the, that's what I was wondering. Much. Like you guys are it fundraisers, or do you join part in somebody else's fundraiser? Well, that's so, what I was wondering. So, okay, so my you're, cousin. You're such a great family. You have a, a fundraiser. Yeah, that's right. We yeah. do we do service work, Greg. No, no, no. I mean, like, <laughs> so uh, the Carabellos believe you were brought here on earth to do sports. My cousin <laughs> decided like. to, you know, he's he was raising money for cleft palate camps that hadn't existed. But it's turned into this great event where you bring your own set. And you bring your own food, and you play a little bocce ball, and you do donate at the end to some cleft palate camps. All right. The golf tournament's just for good fun. Good. The golf I like, yeah, I like just to gather. And we went to see the Rockies-Yankees, and um, I was raised a uh, American League Yankees fan until the Rockies came to Denver in the 90s. So now I'm a, na- a National League uh, Rockies fan, and we saw the only game that the Rockies lost. All right, you've spoken to my soul. I go to Bear Lake with my um, extended family, my yeah. parents, my siblings every year, and we have like a grandma Olympics where we do the wheelbarrow <laughs> race, you know, three-legged <laughs> race. So maybe we need to start donating. I don't know if you're the biggest loser at the end or yeah. something. All right, you've inspired us. Good. Yeah. Okay, so back to the CD2 race. Greg's out, but it continues yep. on right now, and there's been more drama than I suspected in this. Celeste Malloy uh, was chosen in the fifth round at convention in voting, uh, Hess's voters ended up um, kind of coming together, and then she ended up crossing the finish line. But ever since that has happened, I'm sure that it probably hasn't been all rainbows and unicorns for her because there have been a lot of questions along the way about whether she's actually a Republican, which, I mean, she was working for Congressman Chris Stewart, but was she filed correctly in the state of Utah? Was she voting in D.C.? Mara, you get to go first. Does this matter, or is this just a lot of drama because... Some poor losers want Greg to win. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> or someone else. I I'm don't gonna know. split the baby here and say, as someone involved in civic life and as someone who cares actually about deeply about the process, mm-hmm. we, we saw some cracks in the process that need to be fixed. Will it and should it impact the trajectory of current candidates and individuals? We just don't have time, frankly, for it to impact that. And what you saw is a series of what could be brushed off, and I saw the LG sort of put it in this category, of sort of technical errors as opposed to intentional. Um, And the timeline was really compressed, as all special elections are. That's not unique to this election. In fact, this election had more runway than many special elections. Um, So I do think it's both things at the same time. Yes, there were some major flaws in our process. We saw some cracks in it. Were they technical of nature? Mm, Probably, if you want to put them in perspective. I do think it brings up a a boring but interesting experience I've had with the state elections office. So one, a shout out. We have a great state state elections office. We have generationally. The handoff from LG to LG is tremendous. I'm not sort of criticizing any individual in that position. But I've petitioned the state elections office a number of times. And I get this toggle that I'm seeing now, which is when they say, you know what, we're record keepers, but we're not enforcers. Yeah. And they're right statutorily. Yeah. I thought it was a bridge too far for me to say that they weren't responsible to check not only the federal qualifications, but to check the party qualifications because I would say, and the state qualifications, because I would suggest those are all three legit checks to have checked before. So when someone but, comes in to sign the paper, let me see your driver's license and your whatever else. But also, oh, what are you running yeah. for? Do you also, so we know that the Republican Party is a closed election and that therefore to be eligible, and it they're right in pointing out it was a party 
it's the section you get to, which is the party one. But, you know, state elections work hand in glove with the party. So um, one of the things at a higher level beyond this election is this notion of not only on this election, but on um, people who file too late or people who aren't doing their financial disclosures right or, frankly, lobbyists who are not following the disclosure laws yeah. or businesses who aren't. What you often hear when you complain to the LG is they say some form of, hey, listen, we're the repository, we're the record keeper, but we're not the enforcer. Yeah. And then you need to go talk to the attorney general. I think that relationship is worth consideration by the legislature. Interesting. So I haven't talked about this publicly. I This is this first go. Um, Ooh, so this is an exclusive. I don't want to sound like a sore loser. I don't want to sound like I'm a crybaby. So I haven't really talked to anyone about it. But I, I'll just say this. Right after the that final round, when I lost, uh, some media came around and asked me, uh, you know, my opinion, and I, I shared it. And they said, "Who will you support going forward?" And I said, "I'll support the convention candidate because I, I believe in the delegate process." All of this information about whether Celeste Malloy was registered to vote there or affiliated as a Republican, this was information that came after that convention was over. I was very disappointed uh, to find out that these eligibility laws we have. One is that, and it's not really done to hang up a candidate or trick them. You just, if you're going to say you're going to run to seek a party's, a political party's nomination, you have to be a member of that party. And the way we do that is through our voter registration. So if you don't have a voter registration, uh, then that party affiliation, it's not who you've been affiliated with in the past. It's, it's, it's one of those things that you, they ask for. Uh, the other thing is you got to vote. Or if you move out of the state, the state, Utah doesn't want dead people to vote. They don't want people to leave the state and still vote in this state. So if you've left for five years and your your voter registration has been removed, it's for a reason. It's because you don't live in the state any longer. So th those were – so Les Malloy not being a registered voter when she filed, uh, her, her, her voter registration being on the removal list, and that doesn't mean you're on a conveyor belt and it's going to go into an incinerator someday – the word removal, then list, she was removed. She wasn't a registered voter. Those are things that if you file and you sign, there's a notary there, and you sign and say, I'm eligible, you can even come back during the, the election, the, the filing time, and amend it if you've made a mistake. All it takes is go go register to vote as you're filing for office. But yeah. she didn't. So the AG's office, or the lieutenant governor's office, called her after the filing deadline was over and informed her that she wasn't a registered voter. She needs to register to vote. So she can't affiliate as a Republican. And, and they cleaned up a couple other people, too. In fairness, they called a few, a few candidates. I think they did that prior, though. I think those oh, okay. were dur dur done during the week in terms okay. of some of those. And those are kind of clerical. This is kind of a, a qualification uh, that that I think is a little bit more weighty. But anyway, the, by by the mere fact that the, the, the lieutenant governor's office or the elections office proactively reached out to her means that they noticed it. It wasn't something that, that they, to your point, right. Mara, it wasn't something they were saying, well, we don't have to check. Somebody checked because they reached out. I think at that point, I don't think she's eligible. I just don't. I don't think the plain reading of the law shows that she is. Um, you know, I, and the, the, the rub for me, and I guess this will make me sound like a sore loser, is that her living in the district and living in southern Utah was the highlight. It was the part that was the rip on me. I live in Draper. I don't live where they live, and they, it's, a, it's a stronger part of the district. And she didn't. She lived in Virginia, and she was intending to live there, and she wants to live there, and she wants to. Re she registered to vote there in January or in uh, after you know on uh, the fifteenth of June, but that's not the way it was described. And so it was a hallmark of her campaign that she was a resident of the second district, a, a, a resident of Southern Utah. Uh, and she, she has and been she working wasn't. for Congressman Chris Stewart. Not everyone can afford to live, you know, in both places when they're working, right? So that. So what are you talking about? I'm not, I'm not going to jump on here, but what I will say. And this is totally civics teacher, someone who's too into one subject, Ooh, and talk a little to me. preachy. <laughs> I understand how preachy I am, but I think if you want to be a member of Congress, you need to also be a voter. So they, we have lots of latitude for absentee voting for exactly the circumstances of missionaries, militaries. There's a lot of, quote, Utahns who have out-of-state jobs. Yeah. And they, they're they temporary out-of-state jobs. And so what bugged me is I, I really need most of my candidates to also care enough about the process to also be active voters. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about the technicalities, actually. I'm not talking about when, who, how, where, and why. 
but I, I don't Being like involved in the political when, process. And this has happened a billion times where I've looked at a candidate who just engaged in the process because they decided to run for something. Mm-hmm. And you look at their voting record, and I think it's this is where it's preachy. If, if you're not a voter, that's the fundamental gift of a republic, right? Like, it's so what we fought for is our voice. And I know we're frustrated with how our voice goes, and we're frustrated sometimes with feeling lack of power, but it is really special to be able to vote in free and fair elections. And I just... And it's not hard with how we mail ballots either. It's It's easy peasy. And my daughter's been away at college and then home, and then she lived in the Keys for a job and then the Maldives. And she stayed registered here, and I'm... Maybe she doesn't have a mom to do this, but I'll put it in a right. manila envelope yeah. and, you know, mail right. it to her. And then she'll mail it back and I'll drop it in the drop box or she could mail it kind of thing. So there's ways to vote and they can make it even more direct yeah, than and, your mom and, mailing it. And look, it's it's voting for president's important. And that's that's important. Voting for Congress, that's important. But what about school board races? What about mayor? What about uh, county commission? There's Municipal a lot of matters. races. There's a yeah. lot of races out there. If you haven't shown up for over five years, that's why the, the voter registration was removed because there had been no activity for five years. I, you know, I just think, and again, I, this was never part of the campaign. I, I knew nothing about this. This yeah. is all information that came after the fact. But when I digest it, I'm not like, well, let's just forget about that. That doesn't mean anything. It actually, when I filed, there was an affidavit, there's a notary there. You signed that you are affiliated, you are a registered yeah. voter, that you are affiliated with it. There's the questions in the statute sitting there for you to read. It's not a it's not a difficult thing. So when that happened after the case, it just soured it. I just thought. So I do think this will trigger some legislation. But maybe if we pivot for a second for who's on the ballot and what's going to happen. Yeah, let's talk about it. But before we talk about that real quick, Arquin Denning, who was also, you know, on the list, I think he got one point eight percent of the vote. He filed a lawsuit. Will that go anywhere? Is it going to take too long or is that just garbage and we just need to take a deep breath and move on? I, I think, so Quinn has an interesting take. He says, look, I wasn't, if anyone thought that I was running, I was filing this lawsuit because I think I can win, I'm not. I was a candidate, and I'm a, I'm, I feel like I'm in a unique position in that I was eliminated early on, but, yeah. so I'm not doing this because I think this is going to get me on a ballot. I'm doing this because I don't think the law was followed. And so that's kind of his rationale, as I've heard it. Um, and I, but the, the problem that a judge will have is they, they, they are not inclined to tip over the apple cart or, yeah. or to disenfranchise voters. I think that Quinn Denning's lawsuit will say delegates and voters were disenfranchised if you have a choice of, of candidates that were not eligible. That's where the disenfranchisement happened. But I, I predict that the judge will not want to um, change, will not remove anyone from the ballot. And I think some of what he'll weigh is that you have three candidates to to make choices from that's Mm -hmm. true and that's the interesting part i didn't think we'd have three i was thinking we'd get two Mm -hmm. you know if anything so we've got six weeks i think at this point celeste malloy who is not a name brand maybe all all of this talk about her registrations made her a little more of a name brand i don't know if it was good advertising or bad becky edwards as a lot of us assumed would get those signatures but bruce huff also got the signatures needed as well so Mara, who do you see coming out ahead? Because I think the assumption was that whoever came out of the convention would be the front runner. Is that still the assumption, or is it kind of even Stephen? Because not everyone knows all three of these candidates. Yeah, I think when you look at from the individual perspective, it really has changed this race. So I would say that who has a slight advantage in my mind is Becky Edwards, only because she's campaigned before. And so she has some structures, and she... um, she did. She ran, remember, for a congressional race, and I know she reused those email blasts to say, yeah. hey, I'm running again. Now, interestingly enough, it's not the same district exactly, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I should say Senate. She ran for U.S. Senate, yeah. and so she had the whole state. But, like, I know neighbors of mine are supporters of Becky Edwards, even though they don't live in congressional, too. So I'm going to give Becky a teeny leg up in just her experience in campaigning and that she has an infrastructure. But when you look at them in terms of what are some of the biggest indicators of winning, and it's when um, you've already voted for somebody one time. That would be the case for support for someone like a Ben McAdams. He would say, gosh, half of this this made-up district has already voted for me. Becky Edwards has had people vote for her but it was the scope of a House district. And when you look at that in proportion to a congressional district, she's not going into it with a previous vote lead. So you've got three relative unknowns. You've got a really short cycle. 
And now we're probably at fundraising prowess a little bit. No, I, I agree with the fundraising. But Bruce There's Huff's kids are on a poster at the Eccles Theater right now. Does that help or no? Yeah, I think I if he, they would flash his logo during dance. <laughs> there so you go. This Sorry. second district is really unique. There's 11 counties in, in, the, in the second congressional district. And the, the Salt Lake and Davis portion, if you look at the percentage of votes that came in in the last primary, Republican primary, they represent, I think, 42 or 43% of that vote. So you can look off of Wasatch Front from Tooele going all the way down south to Washington County, uh, and that's, what, 58, 57, 58% of the, of the vote. That isn't, you can't media buy. You can't, if you're a Wasatch Front, if you're trying to do a media buy, you're not going to hit a lot of that district. The way you spend that money, uh, the makeup of that district, I think it lends itself for a more, to a more conservative candidate. I, I think there'll be people looking at Bruce Huff very seriously, and they'll be looking at Celeste Malloy. Uh, Becky has a challenge in that it's been she's it's been discussed that she voted for Biden in the last in that last presidential election. And that's a, a quick thing that a candidate can get out or others can get out that would make it harder for Becky. But I, I will say this, um, that those percentages are get out the vote. So if you have a candidate in the Salt Lake in the Davis County area that people are energized about, I that doesn't I mean, the, the breakout of the redistricting wasn't 42 58. Yep. It was who was participating in those votes, so or in that election. So I think that she's strong in that she has a very concentrated, highly mm -hmm. populated two counties to, to draw. And they're out energized the about her. Yeah. She isn't the ideal profile for that district. No, and so but as soon as you get out of those two counties and you go and you get to the rest of that that district, it it's it it, it doesn't match up as well. But look, <laughs> All that it's serves to be say it's a race. So interesting, yeah. It's yeah, a race. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That so makes I'm it not a race. betting on anyone because no, I don't know. It's, right. it really is a. It's a, It's it's going to be a toss up. Yeah. yeah, this is vastly different than what I would have told you would have happened just a few weeks ago. Me so. too, actually. You yeah. too. I, yeah, I had a, I had a little different <laughs> take on this drapes. race. Yeah, rolling out the rug. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about a different rug we're rolling out. Uh, welcoming now presidential candidates. I love that Utah's gotten into the mix where we actually are part of the conversation. In about 45 minutes from now when we're recording, it's Friday afternoon right now, um, presidential hopeful and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is going to be here in the great state of Utah. Um, this hasn't been super well advertised, so I don't know if his intention was to come and just talk to legislators up at the Capitol, but he'll be on the east steps addressing people, um, then holding a fundraiser for people who have lots of money who'd like to take pictures for him. Uh, Greg, are you going to be heading up there? Are you Trump loyal? And until Trump comes, well, we're not rolling out the red carpet. I wasn't invited, so Rude. I didn't really have the choice. But uh, I, I think I'm you could just Trump. show up because it's yeah. public property, right? I, I like President Trump. I, I know he's going through a lot, but that's why I like him because he's he's over the target. That's why they're attacking him. But um, it's interesting with DeSantis's uh, race. So there was a lot of lot of lawmakers, elected officials that signed a letter a while ago saying, "Please run." Mm -hmm. Uh, you're not going to see those same names uh, today. They're they're not they're not ready to sign up and say I'm endorsing uh, Ron DeSantis right now. And and it comes at a time when he's cutting staff. Um, he's starting to pare back in terms of his burn rate on campaign money. He's raised a lot, but it reminds me, or it has the signs of like a Rick Perry back in whatever year that was with in Texas, or a Scott Walker from Wisconsin that they were real bright stars and kind of favorites early on. And then they and they raised a ton of money, but then they didn't really go anywhere. DeSantis, he, he's people are starting to worry that he doesn't have. He's they all wanted him to run and hurry up announce, and he has, but there hasn't been kind of the excitement that's come. So with it. I love what Greg is saying um, because this is the second wave. There's always this big honeymoon where your angel donors or your friends and family and everybody looks shiny and everyone looks great. And admittedly, DeSantis is past this. So now the hardest stage to become a real contender, of which I still think Ron DeSantis is positioned to do that, it's whether he can live through this next stage, whether he can live through commentary like Greg just gave you, which is this artful sense of slight doubt, slight doubt, even this like, oh, I wish it wasn't happening, but everyone can see the guy's on stall. This really, <laughs> like, this really snarl, just you, really It small, sounds like you don't believe me. You think I'm just trying to, I'm just... Shilling I'm for just Trump? Why would I believe little, that, Yeah, you right? think I'm just, yeah, so, you just think I'm throwing like, shade. I'm not, I'm giving honest commentary over here. When, when you look, this is his test. Can he get past, so... The age-old thing is viability. Every challenger has to prove they're viable. And viable is as hard to 
pin down sometime as momentum. I absolutely believe Ron DeSantis is here because we have shown a propensity to not like Trump as much as others, which we'll talk about in a minute. But also, we've become the national Republican ATM. And so I think yeah, this is well, firmly an ATM stop. Um, you do have some heavyweights. You have Senate President Stuart Adams hosting an event mm-hmm. for him tonight. Thousand Senator dollars. Todd Weiler is who's inviting us to go. He's going to round up some cash. This is going to be a, he is going to, DeSantis is going to spin this as a really good campaign stop. He's right on the precipice in which you will hear an argument from his team and you'll walk away thinking, he's still my guy. He can do it. And then you'll hear a, some critiquing from Team Trump represented it in our good friend Greg here, and you'll hear, oh, he's stalled out and he has no momentum. He is, I think, the still the best hope to see if the Republican Party will continue to double down on a Trump-Biden race or whether they'll switch but look, and I, and I do like DeSantis as, as he's been governor of Florida. I think he's been a stalwart. I've loved his leadership. There's, it, and, and I like, I wouldn't mind it. I think fighters make fights. I'd love to see a very competitive uh, primary against these two. I don't see anyone else coming close uh, to Trump other than Governor DeSantis. I'm just, I am just telling you that I, I just don't see the, I, I don't see the momentum His burn building. rate is really problematic. His I, yeah. cash on hand is but, problematic. But let me ask you this, and I genuinely am asking this question. Why isn't he in Iowa? Why isn't he in some of these early uh, uh, caucus or primary states? And, and why is he in Utah? Greg. Yeah, the uh, just, fundraising is that why? About money. Okay. This is an ATM stop. He's not stumping anywhere. He's not asking for advice, and I am not vilifying him for doing that. No, no, this I, I, is a legit. I, I, I wanted to know why he was here, stop. so it's, it's more. Yeah, of a and I was wondering if it was gig. more fundraising because when I tried to look on his website, because usually when you have a presidential candidate, you can look and see if they're in your state, where you can show up, what time. None of that information's he's on his not website right any now. Rallies. So yeah, this is really just he's coming to make money and get people on the ground to help him, which is interesting. When I look at him, though, we talk about him as a Florida governor, and he really was a shining star when you look at how he won over Miami-Dade and just won yep. people over, and he was a real rock star. Kind of reminds me, Marco Rubio was a rising star, and then sort of he petered out. So the question is, is he going to peter out as we you know are talking about, or can he keep going? And that's going to be the interesting thing, because there's a difference between being an awesome governor and then somehow translating nationally if we want to stay in Florida, it reminds me of Tim Tebow, who was like this gator, you know, superstar oh, that's actually in Florida. A good comparison. You're right. And he was awesome. And you were like, how can he not be awesome? And then he goes to the NFL and somehow Tim Tebow, who was a god in Florida on yeah. the football field, just didn't translate. And yeah, I'm as wondering a Denver, Denver Bronco fan, I would agree with that analysis. Yeah. <laughs> you were. So he won one playoff game that I will never forgive him for, though. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, yeah 2012. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if that can translate. And I think part of the problem with any of the Republican nominees right now is if you want to win at this point, you have to attack Trump. But part of the problem is you don't want to attack Trump because Trump has a lot of support. So, do you play nice or do you attack? That's the question. And I think. The Santos has shown you a good case of doing both, and it may be hurting both, right? Yeah. Because yeah. he sometimes leans in, and he sometimes parrots. Pick your poison. And sometimes he sounds like he's parroting, and sometimes he sounds like he's attacking. And then he's made some interesting choices, I'm going to say attacking capitalism, that doesn't fall in line with normal Republican rhetoric. You mean Picking a Disney fights. thing? Picking Don't, these fights Disney, is that's stupid. Not, he's not attacking it's capitalism. Stupid. He's attacking it. And I actually the, think he's weakened his support. getting involved in politics. He's weakened his support in Florida. So it'll no. be interesting for him if his presidential you're campaign gonna, doesn't You're going to make me defend DeSantis, aren't you? No, you're gonna, that's where, I, you're, no, that's no, where no. you're pushing Please me to. Please don't even worry Dis- about Disney has been weird because he's been attacking... Um, them and I, there's interesting reasons why if you understand what yeah, goes on in Florida really good but at reasons. the same time it's funny how Democrats right now are like so pro Disney when usually they hate giant right. businesses Business like that yeah so yeah. I'm like it, this is a weird no, world big, we live in ma- right ma- now no Heidi big business and big government merged this it's, it's a Democrats green, dream they just they forgot the middle class they don't care about them it's just big big business and big government it, they're just centralizing all the power on us right now we're That's just trying happening. to defend the happiest place on earth where yeah. you take your families. <laughs> Shit. Thank I you. I know you are. I know. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. not the happiest. <laughs> if, you, if you stood in lines there. I know. It's yeah. miserable. Okay. So we've got to, we have so much to get through, so we got to get going. Um, but we have this presidential election, which really is going to be the weirdest we've ever seen mm-hmm. before, because we have President Biden, who I think I saw a meeting with the Israeli prime minister this week that either had a stroke or fell asleep. I think he <laughs> fell asleep in the middle of the conversation mm-hmm. for a few seconds, comes back at it. 
Meanwhile, all of a sudden, we have whistleblowers in Congress at committee hearings talking about uh, the Hunter Biden um, plea deal that's coming through and whether it should have been federal charges and whether that possibly includes President Biden. So that's not voting well for him. President Trump is looking at another federal indictment coming, this one possibly for January 6th. We're waiting for it to happen. As usual, Trump has let us know about it before anyone else. So we're waiting to see what happens there. And then we throw into the mix a third party candidate. Will it happen? So, all right, let's talk about how many of this matters. Uh, Mara, we have two presidential contenders who have both been presidents at this point which sounds super sexy until you read all of the grit that comes with it. This is weird. Yeah, I mean, what's Who's hurt by this? I don't, I don't, I think it's, no, but it's more of both sides to some degree. It's not persuasive, I don't think. I think it actually turns the electorate off just as you described it. Like, everybody's a schmuck at this point. Yeah. And so I think there's always two races. And right now, and the one race does predict the other, but I, I, it's not quite causal the way we pointed out. So what I would say is right now we're in the midst of politicos watching politics. Yeah. And that means citizens who are political too. It's not just political. Yeah. Polit and whatever happens during this hyper-political time, and I think the only people that are really attracted to the indictments and the intrigued are the politicals. I think the normal people are like, yes, politicians stink. And But by the time we get to a general election, these narratives have informed what we have to vote for. So I think they're related, but right now you're seeing punch-counterpunch. And Greg and I, I hope, aren't even interested in me pointing out what a schmuck um, and the, how valid the lawsuits are against Trump. And then Greg points out what a schmuck and how valid the potential lawsuits are against Biden because it is a lot. But, 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 I mean, they're valid. I'm not yeah. suggesting no, they're not actually, valid. Actually, I don't know that they are. I, this is, this is, I just think there's a dichotomy here. I think, there's a, I think that a two-tier justice system is on display. I think yeah, that and, what they are going and after white, in prominent, hand, expensive, rich white men like Trump are getting preferred in this. If you try and make an argument of victimhood about Trump Wait a here, minute. Wait, we're talking about the Bidens. They're not, they're not of color. What do you, I don't even know these, where you came with. Both of how the did Bidens, you get to, how did the you Bidens get to, and the Trump are getting, I believe, preferred in this. Okay, I think so, Hunter okay, Biden okay, so, and yeah, Joe let's, Biden. Let's agree there. But we're not seeing the Trump's same behavior. Trump's home search and Biden's wasn't. So we're not that's where I think people see the two. No, they were, they were entirely different. Matters that they yeah. were following I, up on. I, I just don't see the consistency uh, in enforcing the law or going after or one of them or both of them. And I think that, you know, whether we like it or not, one of the reasons I think I, I would guess that Hillary Clinton, when they did the, the you know, the Her classified stuff, stuff yeah. is they don't want to put the country through uh, a criminal charge as she's the nominee and all of that, all that would be involved in that. Today, we don't care. Yeah. We are just going for broke on both um, at the same time, and and, they, and it's not like they're going after them both the same way or with the same eye. It looks it looks disparate in terms of what they're yeah. looking at as an offense here versus what they look at as an yeah. offense over there, and what it puts this country through. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And well, I, it's like there's no there, there's there's no lengths that we're gonna that people aren't willing to go now to you know to just sour and it as shows many as they can. in confidence measures it shows yeah. in the public not having confidence i think you're right we're at the brink and i can cite all the offenses and you can cite all the offenses until we put our weapons down um you know we're, we're going to just keep one upping so here's the question we then. being two sides yeah. if we have this going on is this the perfect chance for no labels and former governor john huntsman and others uh, joe manchin to possibly come in here and either themselves or find a candidate or a split party ticket and say, this is insane, Trump's insane, Biden's insane, let's be rational and let's have a third party candidate. Is it possible, or are we still at a point where it turns into they're pulling votes away from so someone So I'm gonna else? go first on this, because Greg and I disagree, and I, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna speak from my heart here. <laughs> Ooh, Greg knows first this. First off, I How love, do you know I disagree? I love, 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 love third parties. I love <laughs> moderates. I love give peace a chance, come Ralph to the Nader, middle. Green party, you love him. I love Huntsman's approach. I love this no labels party. I love everything about it. I believe it. I believe when moderates say, I'm going to come and rule by common sense, and I just want to do the right thing. I believe in putting party second and principles first. And here. 
hear after that speech is why I don't think it's going to be impactful. <laughs> because I love it so much. And I have seen it fail time after time after time. Because for all we say we want. Come on, Ross Perot. I know. And he lost. And for all... He so, wasn't very sexy, though. And sometimes he oh, got a Bill Clinton, of that. Bill Clinton got less votes than Michael Dukakis But here's the thing <laughs> about of, elections. Because of Ross Perot. Yeah. We complain about the politicians all the time. And it's the most truest thing in politics that it is a mirror. And it reflects... We actually cause it. We always say it's them and not us as the voters. But I think the reality is we want fear and anger, and we want passion, and we want vitriol, because time and time again, if you give someone an academic, smart, informed decision-maker who can't whoop us into a frenzy, we vote for the wackadoodle who can work us into a frenzy. I, I, yeah, you're right. I don't agree with you. I got a whole different take. This I know is, this you is, okay, I am, let's hear it. I am completely intrigued by this third party prospect i am intrigued in a sexy kind of like i'm interested in it kind yeah. of like way. you would consider voting for this person i'm i'm going to i'm just gonna i'm gonna do commentary here i'm not gonna say how i would vote i'm just Why gonna not? give you the commentary there are kitchen table issues in this country that are that are impacting people's lives families lives Absolutely. in real time you've got groceries you've got you've got gasoline you've got you've got housing you've got you health you name it people's lives right now are are not positive this is not a a debate about Bidenomics in terms of uh, statistics. This is how people feel right now. When they open up the newspaper, not, there's no newspaper. When you look at the news, you watch it, however you when do you it. When you open your two news when app. You, when, you can, <laughs> when you consume the information of the national narrative, you're hearing about foreign wars, you're hearing about climate, you're hearing about Trump, you're hearing... You're not hearing about what is impacting your life right now. And I think there's Like sharks on fruit. cocaine. Did you read about that? No. That that's a real problem awesome. in Florida. You should Google that. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, we should talk about that. But I'll tell you this. I think there's low-hanging fruit for a candidate or for a party to start talking about the things that are impacting American lives and families right now. And I'll tell you, I think I think JF, uh, Robert F. Kennedy is one of them. Junior is one of them. I think he's actually nailing issues that people are worried about. I think I think Trump does this. But I, I'm telling you that the, the, that if, if, if the parties just want to look like a uniparty, if you can't see any daylight between them, if we're just going to keep taking spending, and there's no such thing as a cap, because every time you hit it, you just the ceiling goes up, and you just keep spending, and inflation goes up, I think there is room for... So you think this for, new labels might be viable in this cycle? Not in this cycle, but you've got to start somewhere. And my problem is, if they say that we won't even do it if we can't win the whole thing right now, then I think it's short-sighted. But I'm telling you, the party, whether it be Republican, Democrat, or a third party, figures out how to address the issues that are real issues for the people. That's that's the party that's going to win. Over time, if they Here's came, if they're genuine. Here's my problem with no labels right now is the CEO, Nancy Jacobson, who founded this back in 2010, she told NBC News that, and she worked with the Clintons um, prior with the Democratic Party, but she said she would shut down all of their efforts for a third-party candidate if there was any indication that it would propel former President Donald Trump to win the White House, which to me is weird that if you wouldn't, that you would pick candidates, you'd start running, and if you felt like all of a sudden it was, yeah, you know, I mean, being the loser, it's like I would say pick your candidates and run and run a good race. Right. But it's weird to me that they Joe say that Lieberman they said would the pull same out. thing, which is bizarre. I don't, I don't get that. I really don't. There's, there's a, a this is something I prescribe to, <laughs> but there's an entire movement that believes that Donald Trump is uniquely harmful, and that it isn't about his ideology, but it's about his character and about how he decision makes and so it's less about partisan politics but more about um the uniqueness just, i'm just I telling take, you that's i would where take it's any from. single day of his administration in terms of our economy our fuel costs our our inflation i take anything that went on during his administration versus what we're living through right now i don't know what the harmful trump thing is you're talking about because I, I, even under duress with Mueller investigating There's all the time. There's fewer tweets to get riled was, up to it. There, was, there were yeah. good things happening. We had a strong economy. We had energy independence. We were a net exporter of energy. I mean, it was a good time. Yeah, I mean, I I think you agree three conservative that there's Supreme a relationship Court like that, that the economy doesn't stop and stop them. based on those. I mean, that those are all partisan speech. Those aren't, that's not partisan at all. Mm -hmm. I, I was paying like a, two bucks a gallon when he was in office. I'm paying four 
$8.34 last time I filled. I don't believe this, but there was a Quinnipiac uh, University poll that said that 40% of voters would consider an alternative. I feel like those are the same things when you go and talk to people who watch TV that say they want feel-good stories, yeah. and then really what they want to watch is like, if yeah. it bleeds, it leads kind of yeah. thing. Sometimes you think, say things out loud that you don't actually And act that's on. my point on this. It's like the I wishful think heart. We all say we want this, yeah. but if we really did... They would be giving it and to us. And you know us. what? You know what I'm tired about? Uh, tired tell me of? What you want, what I'll you tell you what. what you want. <laughs> I want to quit talking. I, if a third party wants to be a third party, quit talking about being the third party. And just be it. And and go get some issues and start talking about what it is that you actually want. Not that what's what being a third party means, or we have to have them because of whatever that narrative is. I'm tired of people debating about debate. I'm tired of third parties talking about being a third party. Go do some things that garner support. Go go get issues that grab people and say, you know what, I could support that. I I get I go back to this. Robert F., Robert Kennedy Jr. has seen a cross section of of I would say independents and even Republicans that think he's talking and making sense. And I think he's Mara, an old school Democrat. A little bit. He's an old school Democrat. He's 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 what Democrats used to be for the the common everyday person. Racist? No, and he's a, a hate monger. Robert Kennedy's a racist. Days. Amen. Robert Kennedy's he's a ra- anti-Semitic. I mean, like, see this uh, abandonment of the so Kennedy family is just bizarre to me. I cannot believe why because we want real time instead of just labels. No abandonment you, of. I don't owe the is, Kennedys anything. You guys, wor- you, you guys worship the Kennedys. You guys, I, and if he doesn't did. represent whatever it is we were worshiping, then he, he's not worth you it. You go look at JFK. But what's interesting he is for the common guy, is, the everyday he, guy. Yeah, That's what RFK is for. And if JFK were here, but he's not JFK. And I he think actually he's I closer it, than any Democrat right now. I think it's interesting that you're attracted to him. Um, he's getting really low poll numbers, so it is he's, eating he's like around the fringe. He's twenty percent of your Democrats, is what he's at. No, he's twenty percent of eligible voters, not Democrats. But you know that's because yeah. Democrats open their process. Well, open your process? You gonna let him debate Biden? No, no. I mean if yeah, he meets the not threshold, gonna, they're not gonna let him debate Biden. So. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. The Democrats probably won't allow that. Um, while we're talking about people getting along, Governor Cox, if you haven't heard, um, he was elected to be, uh, did they call it the president? What, he's the chair, that's what it is, of the National Governors Association. And when you get to be student body president, you also get a pick if you're going to put lemonade in the fountains or what you're going to do. And he wants us to be more civil and disagree better, which I think is probably a good thing for all of us. But as soon as he announced that, people were like, well, you're not very nice. You call people imbeciles or whatever. And he said, yes, I can do better too. Uh, Greg, is this a good thing? Um, should we be backing the governor on being I, I, civil I, I and like disagreeing the prin- I like the principle, but I, would, but I would argue that you hear that on this podcast. You can hear people disagree right now or, or have different takes. and we Without think, being disagreeable? Right. Mm-hmm. I think you, if, you, if you want to talk about disagree better, I, I would brag and say that we can have a thoughtful conversation and not see the world the same, but have that conversation. I think what, what people get... You just want to avoid cynicism. We're so everything's so partisan right now, and we're just we, we see get get such high doses of it. You don't want someone to feel. You don't want to sense anyone's being hypocritical. You don't want them to be condescending, and you don't want them to feel or, or leave you with the sense that they're detached from what you're yeah. what you're dealing with. So again, back to don't debate debating. Now, don't say we should disagree. But just show it. Just do it. Why don't you Why don't you show it? Him and Governor Paulus from Colorado. Just get an issue. And really parse it down like we do here, and and see where you can find where you can land, instead yeah. of just talking about what you would like to do yeah, the or how you should do versus it. the action. I I hope for that too. I do want to give a shout out though to it being very cool that the Utah governor is head of the NGA, and yeah, it really helps us. Um, I also am going to give a shout out to the pilot project on the Dignity Index because yep. one of the people they brought out was Tim Shriver and the Dignity Index because of Utah's disposition. Is that um, Maria's brother? Yes, or is Bobby's son? Um, but he uh, or not, Sh- not Eunice Bobby. Schreiner. Yeah. Sorry, Eunice Kennedy. But uh, the Dignity Index did its pilot project here, and he's evoking him. I agree with Greg, and I'm not. I'm not saying this won't happen. But I agree with Greg or yeah, but (laughs) that he has outlined an aspiration. I think he actually identified a topic of immigration, 
But what I want, what what real modeling is, if his goal is to say, and one of the things he said was, hey, if leaders don't model it, how can we expect it? So modeling, and I'm also going to pat us on the back, is here in that we've got to start hearing disagreement because disagreement is disagreement. It, I don't like when disagreement gets rolled up that you're not actually talking. You're not actually trying to do the hard stuff. You're keeping with like, the two and three have really high level things you can agree with. So what I would like to see is a little grit out of this. I think we have to get used to seeing models who are absolutely disagreeing with each other, but they don't hate each other, they're not taking cheap shots, and they're really working hard on hard issues. Because what I see modeling happening a lot right now is basically on stuff that's pretty easy to agree on. And I'm like, ah, oh, I want you to do some hard stuff. Yeah, hard start is the thing. And, and why don't we all get along isn't always the answer because getting along and holding hands and then not solving problems doesn't fix anything like the immigration or DACA or any yeah. of that. You know, I think those are issues that if you really want to be grown ups and put your big boy panties on, that we can make it happen. Yeah. All right. There's times in history where, where we didn't talk about how they were getting along, but we can look backwards and see they were. Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan. Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton. There's some. There are some very good common ground where bo- neither side really gave up their principles, but they they blended into uh, into good policy. And they, they both didn't did. talk sweet, and they didn't no, they do didn't. photo ops. <laughs> they like. I, so I don't want to hear people being friendly. I want to hear people digging in and doing the work that then impacts the people mm-hmm. of everyday America. That's why I say that when it was happening, we weren't going, oh, look, they're hugging it out. But we, when you look backwards, you see that, that yeah, they, they came to agreements. They, they found common ground, and they stayed Tip O'Neill, stayed Tip O'Neill, and Ronald Reagan stayed Ronald Reagan. But I do look forward to Governor Cox leading this. I really appreciate that. I like the topic, down, too, he by threw the down way. The I actually gauntlets. do. I don't want to leave any I do like the topic. I think it's, it's sometimes they, the, when the, someone becomes a chair of this, they're a little more myopic in terms of a, a specific issue. This is one that I think touches all of Americans. I think this is something that we could all. Yeah. And um, congratulations on being picked. That's yeah, awesome. So cool. uh, cherry on top. This is the dessert. Uh, we're at 46 minutes. People are probably going to get sick of us soon. Yeah, so we want to talk really quickly about the gondola because everyone loves the gondola everyone project. Everyone loves the uh, gondola. We do need to say with a little asterisk here in small print that uh, Mara Carabello has been working on this project. Yes. She has backed the gondola. Yeah. Greg, uh, I think you have in the past, although all of a sudden you want to train up the mountain. No, I don't no, know. Oh, He's I a freelancer. Worked, I haven't worked on any. This, but I, you but just I had opinions. But I like, but I do think uh, I like the Swiss model. The Swiss model has these trains, these cograil trains that go up the mountains, up Those these canyons, cool. and uh, they seem to work really well. I think that's a, I think I, I prefer that. But what I don't think are the buses or just widening that 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 road and just I, over the road uh, solutions are not solutions. When you look at how it is getting longer to get from Salt Lake City's airport to our ski resorts, even though you can see those mountains from the airport and you can't from Denver's airport, it's quicker to get to Denver's air, ski resorts now uh, than it is ours because of the traffic. It's just gridlocked. It's just stuck, and it's not sustainable the way it's working. So you got to do something. Gotta and UDOT people. has made a decision. So, Mara, uh, they sided with some of the work that you've done. They're going to do the gondola project, and I'm not, like, super, super invested in this other than I question as a skier myself who's gotten frustrated over the last few years where it's not fun if you have to get up at 6 in the morning. I go to bed late at night, and I'm like, because I know yeah. it'll be fun once I get up there, but I don't want to get up so early and try to get up the canyon and fight with everyone and then take another two hours to get home. I wonder, okay, this gondola is going to be cool, but is it going to cost my family like another 100 bucks on top of our stupidly expensive tickets? Mm-hmm. So that's my question. But a lot of people are just plain old mad. They said this is going to ruin the environment. Our canyons are going to look like garbage. Um, is this true? Is there some yeah. reasons no, to worry about this? No, there's a ton of misinformation out there. I, I do want to start with where we should still be paying a lot of attention. What happened is UDOT made a record of decision for an environmental impact statement about an, a five-year assessment that had more public comment than anything we've done in Utah's history. So lots of public comment, and they have chosen Gondola B. But you Even brought up most of the public comment seems to be people who live on the East Bank. Well, so this is like, this is no. a mis this is this is a misprescription of understanding the process. One, it wasn't a vote. They were asking you to read the current proposal and give you feedback. So I would argue that the preponderance of comments weren't yes or no, they were concerns, which might be a yes or a no, but they were more, the substantive comments were more like, but what about, but what about, or 
I would change this. Um, but I think what you said is really important. What we have in front of us all is how and where will it get funded and how much it will cost. So that decision is still in front of us. Here's what I'm excited about. It, what I, so I'm going to talk to my friends here. This has been a rare issue for me with people who call themselves environmentalists taking the less environmentally proven course. And I'm confused by it. I'm, I get a little angry, but I'm also confused. This is um, a green uh, infrastructure. It is less impactful on wildlife, less impactful on bouldering. Well, then I don't like it impactful. at all. I, you should I, I hate like, this. Yeah, you I should, should hate this. And it's not a road-based decision. I but hate here's, green. Here's the thing. I, I will say, will, do the ski resorts love it? For sure they do. Um, but one of the things that is motivating me personally is that this is not a trip to a playground. This is actually not light rail to the Delta Center, not light rail to Eccles, which I fully support, but that's just there for entertainment. The reason I want a green solution where we can control who goes up and down is because it's about our canyons, and it's about the fundamental reason we live here is access to the mountains, and I believe the gondola helps us keep control over access to the mountains. You just keep saying, when I hear Democrats say control, 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 it just scares me. It just yeah. terif it ter terrifies me. I know me. this is why, but the main <laughs> opponents are Democrats. Uh, without, with few exceptions, those opposing no. the gondola are, are environmental I, I people see who live around it. And Democrats. I see it feels no very European chic to me. I think so. Well, look, too, it's, there's I no think. there's no environmental stewardship over the just idling cars that are just lining up that canyon, yeah. just idling for hours upon you. hours. I don't even know how that's preferred. You got to do something other than that, and then then you're left talking about what what's the most efficient, what would move. I would like to see workforce. I'd like to see it's not a it's not just a tourist attraction. It, that the volume of people you're able to move can allow people to live further away, work yeah. places like that. And I'd like to see a tow rope up the canyon where you put your skis <laughs> on, and just hang on real fly. tight, and you hope yeah. you get up there. A little, what are the zip line? Yeah. Ooh, there you yeah. go. Shoot that would be cool. So um, more conversations to come. And but, realistically, yes. we're not going to be riding this gondola for how many years? Who knows? I mean, the process, there's many, there's many takes of the process. The gondola from a construction perspective, it's really not that hard. It's four or five years. Like, it's not a complex thing to put up. All right, but um, if you want it in time for the Olympics, they're going to have to giddy up. They will have to giddy up. I mean, the canyons aren't considered now. Those ski resorts are actually too steep to hold any venues. Oh. Um, but it would be an amazing display. Under the same logic stream, um, if you're excited about the Olympics, you should be excited about gondola it has many of the same if benefits. they open it i'm gonna go ask lakai if i can have like a little um van that i sell hot cocoa out Ooh, of nice yeah yeah make a little that's side your, money that's your side plan hustle. B. yeah that's my plan <laughs> b i don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens but i'm happy we've got the gang back together again Woo. yeah this was good yeah this fun. was fun I thanks love for it. playing and thanks for disagreeing I know kindly what's going on here oh that was the wrong button <laughs> <laughs> happy friday Woo.